you know, if you stick with it, you'll get better at it. And that's what happened with me because I wasn't particularly good at managing projects in the beginning. Hello, what's going on? This is The Doug Show. I'm Doug Cunnington, and welcome to the first episode on productivity. So we're going to do a four-part series with topics on uh, productivity. So today we're going to cover project management, and that is kind of my wheelhouse. I am a PMP, that's a project management professional, and I got that back in 2008, which is, uh, it's been a while. So I've gone through a few cycles of, uh, you know, keeping that current and taking courses and practiced managing projects for many years. So that is what we're going to cover today. And this is kind of a cool episode here because I, I uh, recorded this with my wife. So my wife and I, had a podcast for a short stretch. We did about 20 episodes and that was in uh, 2018. So it was, actually, I recently saw that the domain was up for renewal. So it was right around, I guess, like the May timeframe when we were kind of coming up with the idea. And like I said, we did about 20 episodes. We haven't recorded any new ones for the last um, several months since we moved. Um, We got pretty busy and we were kind of on hiatus anyway. The point is it it wasn't a waste because, you know, number one, I'm able to reuse the material and all the content that we did. But at the same time, um, we also learned the mechanics of, or I learned the mechanics and Elizabeth, my wife, learned the mechanics of, you know, producing a podcast. So there was like the technical aspect of like the gear and then there was the website and hosting the podcast and all that stuff. So even though we sort of stopped doing it, not sort of, we literally stopped doing it and put it on hiatus for the time being. Um, It was a worthwhile thing. And that's kind of, you know, as an aside, one thing that I look at for my projects that I work on now, it's like, hey, even if this doesn't, um, you know, work perfectly or I end up not, uh, it it just doesn't work how I expected it to. uh, Will I learn something? Is my network going to be bigger or better uh, because I'm trying it out? And like I said, this podcast, uh, the one we were doing is called Survive the Nine to Five. And it was fine. We got to have some discussions and it was a worthwhile uh, thing. And you're going to be able to listen to that today. People have been enjoying hearing about the beers. And I I suppose it is the people that actually drink beers. So I'm going to tell you what I'm drinking right now. Uh, My wife just got home a few minutes ago. She had a couple, uh, you know, it was a case of beer. I'll, I'll tell you what we got. So it was a case of beer, and she picked up uh, something from a brewery I hadn't heard of, Crazy Mountain Brewing Company. This is not sponsored. It just happens to be what I'm drinking. I'm checking out the Crazy Mountain Amber Ale. They say it's malty, hoppy, and smooth. And this uh, brewing company is out of Edwards and Denver, Colorado. The art is pretty cool. Um, there's uh, looks like an owl with antlers. And as I turn the can around here, I see they they call this a shiamus. It's an owl, a mule deer, and a bobcat, which sounds like a crazy animal. Um, very scary. And that is what the picture is. Um, also, as I'm looking at the can, uh, 
wow, it looks like it has hands and uh, a talon too. So this is kind of a fierce animal. And as I'm drinking the beer, it's pretty good. You know, an amber ale is fairly uh, middle of the road. And typically I'm going for something more exciting, but it's a nice, uh, it's a nice uh, afternoon beer here. And uh, I'm enjoying it. So if you get a chance, check out uh, Crazy Man. We got a variety pack too. So there's uh, some pale ales and some IPAs with my name on it. And that's coming up for me later. Like I mentioned before, this is part one of a four-part series. So today we're talking project management. Part two is going to be like email tips and email productivity. Number three is going to be deep work. And there's a whole there's a whole book <laughs> called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Uh, really enjoyed that book. And finally, the fourth part is going to be prioritizing. At the very beginning of the discussion here, you'll hear us talk about two episodes of Survive the 9 to 5 that we have deleted. All right, so those were a couple podcasts. Kind of funny that we actually did this, but we went to a happy hour and we are like, hey, we're having a great conversation. Uh, Why don't we just hit record here? And then it just got out of control. So we published those for like a very short time and then we pulled them because I listened to it again and I was like, this is nonsense. So lesson learned. Uh, It's okay to have a, you know, sip a little beer, you know, have a little drink, whatever, enjoy yourself. However, um, there's a limit to, uh, you know, what you can do and record and have it interesting or coherent or anything like that. Anyway, that is what we're talking about there. That's enough rambling for now. Let's go ahead and talk about project management. I'm Doug. I'm Elizabeth. And we're back from our two-part episode series, Friday Night Drunk Podcasting. This should be, I hope, a little bit more coherent and easy to follow. I don't know if you listen to those, but we thought we'd try it out. And uh, that's that's what you got. Yeah, and if you uh, listen to the podcast for the first time and those are the ones that you heard, I encourage you to check out some of the others where we're sober recording in the morning. And in fact, we're recording in the morning here, so it should be a little tighter. And we just had coffee, so I think this should be much better, I feel. I hope so. Today we're talking about project management and the other three in the series on productivity are going to be email productivity and tips and tricks, deep work and focusing. And then the fourth in the series will be prioritizing and figuring out what to work on. So today we'll get into the project management uh, aspect. I have a PMP, I'm a project management professional, and we'll talk about that. Uh, a little bit more in depth and what that really means and the prerequisites and all that. But we're going to try and cover project management from like a perspective of like non-jargon, or at least I'm going to try to, because I think a lot of times people get bogged down with the details and that sort of thing. So Elizabeth, do you have much experience in the project management area? I do. I'm not a PMP like you are. And I don't think my title has ever been project manager, but essentially most of the jobs that I've worked have involved managing projects 
to one degree or another. And I was actually a pro, I worked in a program management office, which is a little bit different. Um, the principles of project management still apply, but as a program manager, you're managing multiple projects that make up the program. So yeah, I've, I'm not a PMP. I'm not trained, I guess, or certified in that way like you are, but yeah, I think I know how to manage a project. My coworkers might disagree, but yeah. Sure. And I think a lot of, I mean, I sort of found my way into project management um, because I, you know, worked on different pieces of projects. And a lot of times if you just stick around long enough and you have at least some leadership skills and you can communicate with other people reasonably well, better than your peers, a lot of times you'll end up managing projects. And then if you're you know, if you stick with it, you'll get better at it. And that's what happened with me because I wasn't particularly good at managing projects in the beginning at all. So can we define like just what a project is from the project management uh, like aspect? Sure. Do you have the definition up right there? Don't read it, but do you have it? You know what? I don't have it, but this is a good test for me. I know, me too. So (laughs) I think that there is a very distinct definition of a project. I'm trying to remember what it is. I remember it's like it has to have a start and an end. A project does. So it's like a defined set of tasks with a start and an end date intended to accomplish something. I don't know. That's my guess. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So it has a distinct uh, start and end. And then there's a specific thing that you have to accomplish. That's the project. There's a specific output. And project management is just, I mean, really, it's a set of, it's a body of knowledge, a set of like ideas that help you manage projects and deliver them like on time within the budget and, you know, without everyone going crazy essentially, in dealing with change. That is a big thing. Okay. Can I? Sure. What's the official definition? Okay. This is from the Project Management Institute. A project is temporary and in that it has a defined beginning and end in time and therefore defined scope and resources. And a project is unique in that it is not a routine operation, but a specific set of operations designed to accomplish a singular goal. Hey, not too bad. Yeah, so pretty close, and it's a pretty big distinction between like the um, like ongoing uh, sort of thing. So, can you think of any examples of what those might be? Or I don't know. Maybe um, since I'm in the healthcare field, managing like ongoing billing operations—that's not a project because it's going to go on forever. Okay. But a project would be something else. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a good project around if, if, billing operations. A project would be, um, I don't know. A project would be if they were putting in a, like a new software system and, you know, that is the project in installing it, making sure it works with everything else. And once it's installed, it's done. Yep. And then um, I was going to say I did a lot of work in software and stuff like that. So ongoing stuff, ongoing tasks and work would be, keeping the servers running and upgrading those on a routine basis. And that just kind of goes on and on. And IT, like just an IT department, maybe where they're like getting laptops out and upgrading, that is just an ongoing thing. If they, if the IT department was buying a whole bunch of new laptops and getting it out to 
the users, then that would be a project because it has a start and an end and a specific thing that's happening. So sounds good. All right. Now, before we get into the PMP and the prerequisites and stuff like that, um, let's just talk about like managing a project. Let's say you're, uh, you know, you're doing your job and your boss asks you to manage the project. You're going to have to, you know, figure out what that means. So let's kind of go over the steps of what that is. So I think at the core, there's, there's a few things you really need to do. And again, I'm greatly simplifying this from like the, the PMI, that's the project management Institute, but in general, if you could do these few things, you'll be in good shape. And Elizabeth, feel free sure. to jump in as I'm going. So you'll want to identify like what the hell the project's doing, right? Like what's the output of the project? Um, a lot of times this may be referred to as like a project charter. And it's just what you're delivering and sort of the scope of what's happening. After that, you want to define like the tasks that need to be done to make that happen. Once you have those tasks listed, you'll want to figure out who's doing them. So that's like resources um, and that sort of thing. After that, you can figure out sort of a schedule. And once you list out those tasks, it'll become more apparent what order you need to do things in. You can move things around and then understand uh, sort of like the priority and scheduling, which is really important. And then further, uh, once you get that order done, sometimes you need to have certain things finished before you could do uh, other processes, other tasks further down. So those tasks are dependent on others. And if you can get that like those uh, maybe like four steps right, or at least think about them ahead of time, you should be in pretty good shape and you'll be way far ahead of other people who maybe just internalize the things that need to be done on a project. And then it's harder for them to communicate it to other people like management or to other people that need to do work for them. So if you could list out all this stuff, it'll be much easier for communication and tracking the project in general. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And if we can back up a little bit, I think the first step is the most important uh, that we have listed and that Doug talked about. What is the output and why? And the reason this is the most important, sometimes it's very clear. We're implementing a new billing system. Okay, you need to install it and it needs to work. That's pretty clear. But sometimes it's not that clear. And how do you know you're going to be successful? How do you know the project's going to be successful? And that doesn't mean what do you think makes it a success. You need to identify who the prime stakeholders are. And that's a, I guess, a project management term stakeholder. But, you know, who's the boss? <laughs> who's the boss? Who cares about the project and what do they want to happen? And so you have to know what that person considers a success and what they expect before you can define all that other stuff. Right. And I think KPIs, uh, I was going to try and keep, uh, you know, jargon out, but key performance indicators. But really, like, once you figure out, like, the goal, um, you'll want to have some mechanism that you could track and measure before the project and after the project. So for the example of implementing and, you know, installing a new software system, 
there's probably, you know, there's a reason why, like, is it going to save time? Is it going to make it easier? Is it going to do something faster? And hopefully you could track that. So in the future, you'll know, hey, we we installed this new software and it, it didn't improve things. So we should keep an eye out the next time we think we want to do that. And if it turned out well, then maybe you'll have more confidence next time to, you know, install the software because everything got better after you did that. So if you define that early, then everyone will have like a a mechanism to track that. Otherwise, like, why are you even working on the project? Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. I think a lot of times if you're working on like smaller projects on smaller teams, perhaps that's where it can get fuzzy where you're thinking, hey, we should work on this thing. And maybe there's not a a clear reason why you should do it. And I think that's where, you know, people end up working on something that's maybe a waste of time and no one realizes that you're kind of aiming towards some vague goal that's ill-defined. Have you been on a team like that or a project like that? I don't think I've been on a project like that. No, I think... Usually the goals have been very well defined, but I think the issue I've come up with more often than that is everyone not being on board for the project. So we know what we're trying to accomplish and maybe it's important to some people, but it's not important to other people. And so the work doesn't get done. Right. And to throw in more jargon, (laughs) but these are all common. Like if you understand some of the vocabulary, then you'll be in better shape in your corporate setting. Basically, uh, it's like a matrix environment where there are people working on the project that don't necessarily report to you or other people. And you're, you may be peers, there may be different levels, but essentially you as the quote project manager do not have authority over the other folks. Um, and you can ask them to do things, but they may have other priorities. Now this is where actually I was really good at this because I understood people have other priorities, other incentives, their boss may be telling them to work on something. I may be telling them to work on something else. And at that point I get it right. They're going to follow their boss. So it's my job as a project manager to, escalate to the appropriate level to get them to either work on my project or I can get the definitive answer that they were, you know, the, the project members work is more important than my project. And then I would have hopefully some leeway on my schedule or something. But at some point, someone has to make a decision like, Hey, what's more important. There's only, you know, 24 hours a day, I can only get, you know, a certain amount of work done or a person can only get a certain amount of work done. So, and that's a tricky situation. I've always found, especially, you know, you might be on a project working, managing a project and there are people above your level that are assigned tasks to do. So you're, you know, whatever your manager and your project manager, but there's directors or VPs or whoever on your project and they're not doing their stuff and you have to escalate to someone and say, hey, Doug's continuously late. I don't know. I, I've always found that difficult difficult to do, a little bit tricky relationship-wise. How did you 
handle those types of situations because you're you're essentially tattletaling. Right. You know what? I was totally fine with it because I knew that being a tattletale is in my nature. <laughs> now, I knew that um, the priorities were different and basically like I would probably request um, whatever I needed and then I would go to my lead or boss or whoever and then it's their job to go fight the battle for me. So hopefully they know that I need to maintain a good working relationship with whoever it is and it's their job to figure out the priority. So I would go to my boss and then have them figure it out. And I don't care what the, you know, either the person is going to do it or they're not, but someone needs to do the work for the project and I don't care who it is. They have to figure it out. So I think I was okay with it. And, you know, I didn't make it personal and hopefully no one took it personally. I know, I think earlier in my career, I definitely got frustrated when like, uh, <laughs> when someone kept asking me to do work, but I was basically like not supposed to do it. And sort of what happens, at least the places I worked, a lot of times there were different companies, different vendors working for the client. And we were kind of enemies, like literally like working on the same contract. And, um, yeah, so we weren't necessarily like, playing nice with each other, we would uh, really try to um, make each other look bad. So I think they were trying to make like my team look bad and then I would try and do the same. So it was funny that that dynamic, you know, looking back now, it's funny, but I was really frustrated when I was working with those people. Sure. Another tactic I've tried and hopefully, I mean, you should do this anyway, but when you have the the steps down, you have the the list of people who are responsible for them, you're probably going to be running regular meetings and tracking, uh, tracking those steps, tracking the progress. There'll be due dates. So there'll be some sort of status report that goes along with your project. And if people aren't getting their work done, you can sort of broadcast it on that status report that goes, you know, to everyone goes to the stakeholders and, I think ideally that is how sort of people stay in line because they they don't want to be uh, delayed or they don't want to be read on the status report. And when you put those steps together, theoretically, you have a meeting and everybody agrees to them. Right. I think a lot of my job was was that where you have the schedule, you develop the original project plan. It, everything changes, by the way. Like we develop these plans knowing that it's just going to be, um, you know, the best we can do. And then there's a little wiggle room, hopefully. But, you know, maybe it's a, a meeting every, every week to check status, uh, maybe with various teams. And then maybe it's, um, you know, perhaps every day when it's getting closer to delivery time, you really need to track it. But essentially what you said, where you're going through each task, um, you have an owner, you have a date, um, you have a maybe percentage complete, that sort of thing. And in that way you can make sure, let's say it's a six month long project. You can make sure that you're actually going to finish it on time and you'll have an idea, you know, in month one, in month two, are you where you should be based on like the things you have to complete and how long it takes and all that stuff. So that's sort of the magic of like having this all together and maybe having like a lot of different people working on the project. So, and, you know, we didn't mention in the notes, but um, 
there are a lot of different project management tools and I've used probably 10 different ones depending on like where I was working and what was going on. However, most of the time, um, I ended up using some spreadsheet app. So currently I'm using Google Sheets, but even in big corporate settings, most of the time, the default that every project team member had access to was Excel. Now, what what have you used, Elizabeth? Yeah, I think for most um, most projects, an Excel list is just fine. I started out using Microsoft Project, which is a really powerful tool, but it is almost more complicated than you need for a basic project. I always felt like the the power in Microsoft Project there were some good visualization tools. Um, and then also resource tracking. So if I don't know if say if you're in construction and you you know you have 30 trucks and they can only be in certain places at certain times and you can assign resources to tasks very easily and things like that, that could be very powerful to track. But yeah, f- for most for most uh, projects, a simple list is fine with the task, the owner, maybe and the due date maybe a start and stop date if it's going to take a while, right? Right. What else would need to be on there? A quick backtrack is uh, on Microsoft Project. One thing that I I liked a lot was uh, dependency tracking. Oh, yeah. So that was nice uh, where you could, if you moved a date, it would cascade down. Sure. Um, So that was nice. But like I said, most of the time it was easier and more people had access to Microsoft Excel so and nowadays there's a lot of free apps out there and some paid stuff, but yeah, it really doesn't matter. It's just, you know, whatever you want to use is probably fine. So you're right. I, the couple things you listed, so the task, some dates, the owner, and then that's mostly it. You can make it a little more complicated if you wanted with the dependencies, but after that, um, not, not a huge uh, advantage to make it more complicated. All right. Um, you want to talk about the PMP stuff and what that was like getting certified? Sure. So I had um, an opportunity in around 2008 or so to get my PMP. I was fortunate in that my company had a, a program and they were very, uh, what word am I looking for? They were very Supportive? Supportive, yes. They were very supportive to help us get our PMPs. So they had like on-site training that we were able to take. So we took like a a five-day boot camp. And then I think a month after that, I took the test. Now, we'll talk about some of the prereqs, but it's a difficult test. And it takes a few hours and there's a large amount of material. So I think... I think it's pretty hard to get <laughs> just overall. So let's hit the let's hit the uh, prerequisites here. So there are two sets of prerequisites. If you have um, a four year degree, you need to have forty five hundred hours leading and directing projects, and then thirty five hours of project management education. The thirty five hours of project management education was like the the five-day boot camp that I described. I think you can actually do that online, but you know, in person, you actually get a lot more out of it. And it's way more expensive, but at the time, uh, 
my company paid for it. So that was great. The other set of prereqs is if you do not have a four-year degree. So that would be a secondary degree, like a high school diploma or associate's degree. And in that case, you need to have 7,500 hours leading and directing projects and also the same 35 hours of project management education. So you have to have a lot of hours on the job. And when they say managing and leading projects, most of the time you're you're going to be okay as long as you are on a project team managing your portion of the project and you do have to document all this. So that is that is part of the game of uh, project management is being able to document things well. So, I mean, you have to put together all the hours that you worked and you know, know what you worked on and have a, you know, a lead or a manager that can support you and say, yeah, uh, you worked on that project. Should your application be audited? Was your application audited? Do you no. know? No, it wasn't. So, and I have actually, I don't know anyone that has been audited um, personally, but there's some percentage that they do audit. And why might you get a PMP? So, this is from, and we'll put a link to this. This is on the PMI.org website. The PMP can provide a significant advantage when it comes to salary and earning potential. Among survey respondents to PMI's Earning Power Salary Survey, those with a PMP certification garner a higher salary, 20% higher on average than those without a PMP. And employers benefit as well. So when more than one-third of their project managers are PMI PMP certified, organizations complete more of their projects on time, on budget, and meeting original goals. So so a question for you. Do you think you're a better project manager than I am because you have your PMP? Not necessarily, no. Are you talking personally, me versus you? Yes, uh, me versus you. No. So I interviewed for a job once, and the um, person I was interviewing with had their PMP on the wall. And I was like, oh, you have your PMP. And he said, ah, that doesn't mean anything, which I, I thought was interesting. Hmm. interesting. I, it yeah. definitely, I think, um, it definitely is a, like a hurdle for interviews cause, or for jobs because some will require a PMP. But um, I don't necessarily think if you have your PMP, that means you're, you're a good project manager. I think it, project for project management to be successful, I think the organization has to embrace the project management philosophy. And if you're the best project manager in the world, but the organization doesn't hold its people accountable and doesn't, you know, buy into accountability <laughs> for tasks, you're not going to get anything done. I don't know. You, you, you probably are a better project manager than I am, but I was just curious, curious what you thought, because I think I have all the education and skills and all of those um, hours leading and directing projects and, and the prerequisites, but I've just never gone through and gotten my PMP. It's expensive, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think it's about 500 bucks or so. Oh, I thought it was a few thousand. No, it's like about 500 bucks. But a lot of times if you're taking an in-person boot camp, that may be, you know, that's going to start at $1,200, $1,500 probably. 
and then you may have to travel to go to take it if you're not able to you know be close. And what is the test like multiple choice? It is multiple choice, but it's usually <laughs> it's usually like um five answers um like A through E, I guess. And many times it's a you know A B and C answer and then D would be uh A both A and B or like neither something or none of the answers above are correct or something like that. So it's a pretty hard test for multiple choice. You you may not believe it, but they make the questions pretty hard. So and I, I remember I studied really hard for a few weeks. Um yeah, probably about a month leading up to it. I spent a ton of time, lots of flashcards, tons of material. And back to your point about managing projects better or worse with the PMP. The cool thing with the PMP is it it gives like a common set of vocabulary and framework that if you see someone that has a PMP, you should assume that, yeah, at least you can talk the same language and understand some of the jargon that we've cut out, like the critical path and some of the, you know, different estimation methods and that sort of thing. However, I've definitely worked with a lot of PMPs that maybe they weren't assertive enough and they didn't know how to work with other people well. Maybe they didn't communicate well, but they had their PMP. So you're, I mean, you're right. And I think it just comes down to like individuals. Some people may have no project management background, but they could deliver things on time and on budget and like really have a good relationship with their project team and everyone loves to work with them, but they may not have a PMP or know anything about project management. And then there's other people that may be poor communicators and then they have their PMP, tons of experience. And then, yeah. So when you worked in the corporate setting as a project manager, did you like it? There were, there were portions that were, that were fine. I'm trying to think like, did I actually like it? I think at the very beginning, it was probably a lot more interesting because whenever you're learning something new, it's interesting. And then after a while, um, the, the newness goes away and then it depends on who you're working with. So I think it depends on who you're working with. Project management is fine. I think the, one of the great things for me is, and I mentioned it earlier, I don't think I was very good at first because I literally was coming from, you know, working on projects to managing like, maybe the little piece of the project for my team and then managing much bigger projects and managing other teams. So I went from being completely unskilled to very slowly over time, like building up the skills and understanding it wasn't a lot of times it was more about the relationships with the other teams and like negotiating versus anything else. Because like I mentioned before, I was on, I don't know. It was like in political environments. So there were a lot of moving pieces. And if you could have an ally on another team, then you could work together. And maybe I have her back this time and she has mine next time, stuff like that. So I think I enjoyed it once I started figuring out it was more like relationships and politics. Because if, if you would try to, if you try to apply like logic and reason to things that don't use logic and reason, then you get frustrated. And so. Yes. Yes. And I think that's why maybe I'm not the best project manager is because I, I, yeah, I try to apply logic and reason where sometimes it doesn't, 
apply. And also, I just sometimes get frustrated and want to say, just do your job. And I don't know, 90% of project management is just trying to get people to do the work that they've agreed to do. (laughs) I just want to say, well, just do it. Why won't you just do it? Yeah, there's a lot of soft skills in there. Yep. All right. So any other uh, sort of project management tips you could think of or any tips? So if you're interested in project management and you haven't had a lot of experience in it, you can apply it to anything. So let's say you have a vacation that's coming up, big vacation with your family, apply it to this. You can write out, um, you know, a list of steps, uh, research hotels, pick a hotel, research locations, pick a location or whatever. And you can go through, um, yeah, you can just write out a list of steps for your vacation, assign it to different members of your family and treat it like a little project. And you can see how it can help with something like that. Right. And we can, I mean, we could, let's throw out some more stuff. So like you said, picking a place, figuring out the scheduling, what are you going to pack? How are you going to get there? What's your budget? Yep. Great. So budgeting and then you literally, you know, let's say you have a family of four, you can assign like, all right, uh, like what are we going to pack and give it to, you know, your, your teenager and then have them figure out like, what are they, like, what does each member of the family need to bring? Where are we going to pack it? How long is it going to take to get to the places and so on and so forth? So that's fun, right? You could turn a family <laughs> vacation into a, uh, a piece of work and an assignment. No, but you can you can apply it to anything. Like we said, a project is just a specific goal that you're trying to accomplish, uh, an interrelated set of tasks with a start and stop date. So, you know, you can apply it to any anything and sort of see how that works. Um, what were the other um, productivity ones? We had email. Deep work and focusing is going to be part three. And then part four is prioritizing and figuring out what you need to work on. I would say, um, so along with project management, if you want to research a little bit more, look at at it issues and risks. And so if you get into a corporate or a very um, complicated project, you're probably going to do some issues tracking. And that's a pretty... That's pretty key part of project management is keeping track of, of your issues. And that was actually how I really got started in it. I was on a couple big projects reporting directly to a director and I ended up doing, you know, issue and risk management for the whole project. So in that case, I, you know, worked with all the different teams and I was tracking like important things that the director and their boss cared about. So I was able to, you know, I didn't have to directly solve any of the problems, but I had to find out, you know, what the next step was, where we were at, if it was going to be resolved or not resolved. And then if it, you know, if it looked like we were in trouble, what did that team need to solve the problem? And then I can go to leadership and then say they need, more people, they need more money, um, they need more time or whatever, and then present the case to make sure the project was delivered however it needed to be. And just a quick, ultra simple definition, an issue is something that's already happened that's bad. (laughs) And a risk is something that might happen also bad. It's not, I wouldn't consider it a risk, Doug, that we might win the lottery. 
right? That's that's <laughs> called an opportunity. Oh, but, I yeah, see. I think that's a yeah. <laughs> an uh, uncertain thing that could happen is positive. I think that's an opportunity. Uh, as an opportunity, I think so. Okay. Uh, now, and I'll I'll backtrack. So a lot of the work that I do now will remove the corporate setting. So a lot of the work that I do now is me and whoever I want to hire as uh, freelancers or, or whatever. But I get a, a lot of my audience on niche site project, they're working on making their own affiliate site, some small side project, whatever it may be. A lot of people are scared to plan. They're scared to do this project management portion. And they think maybe they have all the steps in their head and they know what to do and they keep it internal. But it's really helpful, even if you don't do the full set of project management steps that we described, even if you just list out the steps that you think you need to do, you're probably going to be uh, blown away with how much more clear you're thinking about the project and the order and what you need to do things. And maybe if you're going to outsource part of it, how you can outsource certain pieces and really free up your your time and your your mind from being tied down from all this stuff that's internal in your head. Oh, you should have just seen Doug's face. It was so angst-ridden. Yeah. Get it out of your head, man. Yeah, you got to write this stuff down and maybe... Maybe most of it's wrong, but just getting it out of your head will help you correct it. It may sound crazy, but I've done this exercise with uh, probably a couple dozen people, and it's really helpful 100% of the time. I think having those project management skills um, that I developed in my corporate job, super helpful for what I'm doing now. And I guess part of project management is just managing people and, you know, dealing with the HR side. Now, project management can be different in different companies as far as like what responsibilities you may have and that sort of thing. But for me, it ended up being, you know, a lot of HR, a lot of onboarding and, you know, a variety of skills because it was a consulting branch of a software company uh, primarily is where I, I got most of my PM experience. So anyway, it, it's been like super valuable and I don't think I could have planned it out uh, just like the way it worked out. I think uh, I mentioned kind of in the beginning, a lot of times people that end up in project management, they were just, you know, project um like resources and they were doing work in whatever, you know, area it was, whether it was testing or if it was development or some other piece of the puzzle, operations, um, hardware stuff, whatever. Um, and then you slowly, you know, after you work on a few projects, you end up taking on a few more responsibilities. Not always, but I saw it happen um, pretty often, especially again with the the consulting folks. That's just kind of how things worked out. So it's been like super valuable and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't trade the PMP um, for like another set of skills that maybe is more like marketing related since I'm primarily doing marketing stuff these days, but the, it's a good combination. I'll put it that way. It's a good combination to have like the project management skills, the HR skills. And then now I'm learning like 
marketing stuff. So it's a, it's kind of a rare combination. And when I look back at my education, I didn't take any marketing or business classes or sales classes at all. So as I'm learning it now, like I said, it's just an interesting combination because it's not, you know, at least where I went to school, right? Um, it's not a natural combination where all these things come together. Now, I think maybe at some other schools that are more, uh, I guess, business oriented or sales and marketing oriented, uh, perhaps that would be the case. Or, I mean, I was in an engineering field, so I was pretty buried in engineering kind of stuff. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm thinking out loud and just rambling on, I am pretty sure there, there was, uh, some, you know, focus or a certificate or something like that on entrepreneurship in my double E classes or sort of like the double E, um, school. They had some of that stuff, but for what I mean, I thought it was interesting, but like it didn't fit into my coursework directly. So I really didn't, I, I wasn't exposed to that. Not really at all. And I just kind of expected that I would, uh, you know, go into the corporate world, work and become a manager and then work for many more years and then maybe become a senior manager after 20 years or whatever. So it didn't work out like that, thankfully. But that is uh, sort of how I, I, I got here. Just I was working on projects. I got a well-rounded set of skills and then ended up, you know, doing some project management stuff. So I think like uh, one of the, one of the bad things with project management is all the lingo that pops up. And when you're trying to apply, you know, you're trying to do better at project management, it's easy to get tangled up with all the uh, jargon and stuff like that. And maybe, maybe even trying to do stuff that isn't necessary for your specific project, but it's all part of the learning process really. However, when you do look at like the PMI documentation and stuff, you may end up being like overwhelmed with all the stuff in there. So there were many pieces in the, uh, they call it the PMBOK, the project management, uh, body of knowledge, PMBOK, it's a big book or PDF. And basically, um, there's a lot of stuff in there that you have to study and be able to pass the test. However, um, it's rare that you would end up using it. Now, depending on, you know what? It was rare for me to use it. There was some stuff that I never used outside of like taking the test or doing, um, like some studying, they, uh, they do require you to keep your PMP. They require you to, uh, complete professional development units or PDUs, which is very common for, uh, certificate, like professional certifications out there. So anyway, if you are interested in more project management stuff, let me know. Um, you can leave a voicemail. Uh, I got my first voicemail today. And that'll be coming out in an episode pretty soon. But you can leave a voicemail. There's the phone number in the show notes and description there. And if you want to send an email, that would be just fine as well. Feedback at Doug.show. That's the way to get in touch with me. But the voicemail should be pretty cool. Um, I, I won't read it out here. 
you just check the description. So thanks a lot for joining me today on The Doug Show. And look out for the three other productivity episodes that will be coming out soon. That's going to be on email, productivity with email, deep work, and prioritizing. So we'll catch you next time. If you're new to The Doug Show, thanks for checking it out. Please consider subscribing and if you're interested in getting into affiliate marketing, you should go over, head over to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of templates and uh, emails on creating and getting started with affiliate marketing. There's some productivity stuff in there as well. In fact, if you're really interested in stepping up your productivity, I actually have a course and as the Productivity Masterclass. So I will put a link in the description on that as well. And basically it is a roadmap. It's not one of those uh, like super long courses that has tons and tons and tons of information. It's a very actionable course. I read several books on productivity and project management, and then I sort of distilled those down into an actionable uh, like set of coursework so that you can go through it. The course is not dripped out. You have access to it immediately. However, all of the work is in completing uh, each of the sections and actually like setting goals and doing the work, scheduling it out. It's all in the course. So if you are interested in uh, taking it to the next level, I highly encourage you to check out the Productivity Masterclass.